Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Spring Fair, the UK's most diverse, relevant, and exciting buying destination for wholesale home, gift, and fashion. Spring Fair, refueling retail. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the interview series from the Retail Exchange with me, Mark Faithful. In this episode, we're returning to the important issue of well-being within the industry. We're examining whether retail is a happy place, why kindness and empathy is not rocket science, but can be rocket fuel, why understanding that people are simply experiencing a normal reaction to an abnormal event is key, and why it's important to give retailers permission to focus their energy and efforts on signposting support, which makes a meaningful difference to employees at their time of need. Joining me to discuss all these topics is well-being consultant for the Retail Trust, Andrea Woodside. So sit back, relax, and listen in. Here's the episode. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start with a big question. Is retail in a happy place? Um, I, th- I think it, it, it is in some ways. In other ways, it's been undeniably, unbelievably challenging. I think what I've seen over the last couple of years, certainly since COVID arrived, is a, a real sort of stepping up, a sense of camaraderie. And I think that that's been incredibly important. We've typically seen that in the NHS when they've been working, you know, wild shifts and under huge pressure, et cetera. I think my view is is that retail has kind of found their groove now and have been able to connect with each other as, as teammates and colleagues and customers in, in maybe ways they hadn't before. Obviously, the challenges we've had over the past couple of years have been unprecedented and they've been very unusual, extraordinary even. But the story of the Retail Trust, it, you know, it's a 190-year-old charity. So this is not just a contemporary challenge, is it? No. In fact, Thomas Helps was one of the gentlemen who, who founded us uh, back in 1832. And we were founded in the London Coffee House, which was, was quite an interesting place. It's located, we believe, uh, the site is in Cornhill, London. Um, Thomas and, and his uh, colleagues got together recognizing that retail was indeed a very, very difficult space to work in. Lots of challenges. Technology might have changed, but human beings haven't necessarily. And the challenges remain the same today as they did in 1832. As a charity, I think for 190 years, we've been very clear on the fact that it's the beneficiary who is at the heart of our work and everything that we do. So I hope that Thomas Helps, lovely last name, I hope he's somewhere looking down on us and thinking, you know, you're doing it the right way. The people who work within retailers are often called the greatest asset and I guess one of the first things we think about is the store staff because that's most people's experience of a retail business. Why is it so important that we treat people well? You know, we, we talk a lot about being kind and, and this was something I think that came out sort of around the first lockdown. It was that kind of be kind. And, and I think we all know how to do that but we kind of sometimes don't necessarily step up to the plate. My attitude is is kindness, compassion, and empathy are not rocket science. They're rocket fuel. And I think when we think about kindness, sometimes we're kinder to strangers that we meet in the street or on a bus or a plane than we are actually sometimes to those closest to us, and that includes our colleagues. I think particularly at this time, you know, we've seen a lot of, of difficulties with customers who weren't coping well. They were bringing their own issues into store. Lots of people on the shop floor were facing anger, frustration, et cetera, from, from customers. And that, that was unbelievably difficult because I think when we take about sort of the cumulative effect of that, 
most of us can cope with that once in a while and we just go, that was very nice. But when you're doing it day after day after day, your sense of worth and value can be quickly eroded. And I think this is why I talked earlier about camaraderie, because I think how we best protect people is to serve our colleagues as a unit, that we're all in this together. Now, we're, we're in the same boat, we're in different storms, but recognizing too that, that in, in my view, what this has all been about is we're having a normal reaction to an abnormal event. That's all that's happening. So if we can normalize that and say, you know, it's okay to be lonely or low or anxious or fearful or sad, that's fine because that makes you human. And as those conversations start to grow, then I think we find common ground. And the old adage of, you know, every human being in this plan on this planet has more in common than they do indifference is powerful. It's been a tough time for a lot of retail employees, as you've just identified, uh, particularly during the pandemic, obviously. Have there been key issues and struggles that you've seen coming up at the Retail Trust over the last couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think when we look at at the support that we offer and we talk to our team who, you know, take calls and they're all professionals and all committed and dedicated to providing emotional and practical support, it's it's quite astonishing to recognize that that the amount of money that we have provided to people in retail and associated industries has has grown exponentially. And in fact, if we look at the last year, we gave out more than 1.2 million pounds in, in financial aid. And I think this is, this is really important for us to respect the fact that mental health is impacted by financial difficulties. There's no way around it. And to be able to help our colleagues in the retail industry with those emergency expenses where they lie awake at night, they don't know how they're going to get food on the table, they don't know how they're going to pay their rent or their mortgage, is really a lot of, of at the heart of what we do. Because we are very much about social mobility, we're very much about social equality. And I think if you look at the 11,000 counseling sessions in the same period that have been delivered, right, these can range from, you know, I mean, I think some of the biggest challenges right now are, are feeling low um, and hopeless um, and helpless. Whether we want to sort of see that as depression or something else, that's for a doctor to, to determine. But the human experience of feeling very disconnected has been big for us this year, as have relationship problems. So it was always very interesting when, when this first started and I had managers calling me saying, I'm very worried about so-and-so, he or she lives on their own. And my question was always, why are you more worried about him or her than somebody who may be in a very unhappy relationship? That's interesting because Christmas notoriously has been a very difficult period for a lot of families because they're all thrown together. Yeah. But that's perhaps for only for 10 days. Mm-hmm. As you say, with the pandemic, families were thrown together, the whole family often, for months on end. For months for months and and you know even in the happiest and healthiest of relationships we all need autonomy and personal space and that private time to pursue what we want to as individuals but what we did notice of course too and and this is well recognized in in the well-being industries that the rates of domestic abuse went up drastically and you know lockdown was was a very difficult time because the expression goes abusers always work from home and this is where we started to see people who were facing, you know, real threats to their health and well-being, men and women, um, it's trans people, and there was no way out. And again, you know, it's, it's hard for me to comment on the kind of top key areas because they can change week to week. I mean, sometimes it's driven by press. So if there's something in the press about, 
you know, bereavement or there's something in the press about relationship breakdown, people might think, oh, that's actually a really good time for me to call. Bereavement's obviously been a massive, massive hammer blow to so many people. I mean, I, I know very few people who weren't affected directly or, or tangentially by a loss. And I think, you know, even if we haven't lost a loved one, it was that threat of what could be lost. And I think at Retail Trust, we have spoken to many, many, many people who have expressed that kind of, I don't feel in control. And that's, I think, a very difficult thing to come to terms with, particularly for people who are very, you know, get the job done, do it well, work really hard, deliver on time, be the best that you can be. We in retail work really hard and we also like to fix things, right? That's what we do. We couldn't fix this one. It's interesting because I think a lot of the things you're talking about are perhaps not a surprise to a lot of people listening today. But it's interesting to think about how entwined money and mental health are as well. Perhaps something that's forgotten. Very much so. Very much so. And I think also because we think of debt as, as a source of shame, which is in itself a shame. You know, the expression, we're all one paycheck away from disaster. And I think we'd all do well to remember that. You know, you might be on top of the world and very, very financially abundant one day and things can take a wrong turn the next. One of the things that we're working really hard at the Retail Trust to do is to, to kind of de-stigmatize financial worries. There's no shame in being in debt. There's all sorts of different reasons why people get into debt. And I think the, this sort of view is, oh, you know, people overspend or they're irresponsible and nothing could be further from the truth. And I think what we're going to see really with the, you know, the universal credit uh, issue, how's that going to affect people? And, and this is going to have a lasting uh, mark. And, and for some people, it's going to take them quite a long time, whether on benefits or, or not, in addition to their pay. It's going to take some of these guys a long time to recover. It's almost like Sisyphus, you know, rolling that rock up the hill and you get to the top of the hill and all of a sudden one, one slip and you have to start again. And I think that can also feed into people's feelings of not being good enough. We live in a very, you know, we, we all try to keep up with the Joneses and the whoever's and um, I don't know if that's going away. What I do think is we're being much more mature about having conversations about debt. I mean, very few things in our society are kind of off limits for discussion. Nobody talks about money. That's very true. Nobody. Very true. Yeah. In terms of what you're doing at the Retail Trust, what are you doing to change or what are you doing to offer different types of services and what makes you feel hopeful? I have a, a massive amount of hope for retail. And I, I don't think I should be doing this job if I don't. And I know that um, Retail Trust is being led by somebody, uh, Chris Burt Carter, who is a, a seasoned veteran uh, in retail and has a very clear, positive view on this. It's, you know, things will get better. Retail has gone through innumerable changes since the dawn of time. Things are always different, so it's always changing. What I think I see as being really, really exciting is that we used to talk about agility in companies, agility in people, but it didn't really mean anything. And all of a sudden, retail, you had to figure out how to get a 12-month project down to three weeks, and you had to do it. And the consequences of not doing it were, were actually even unknown at that point. So I feel very positive that it's about agility, and part of that agility is, um, is about helping people to remain agile. 
you know, I mean, we always say, you know, people are your greatest asset. And that's absolutely true. How do we help employers to do that? We have really honest conversations about it and say, here's how to support your people. This is what you could be doing. This is what you could be thinking of. Having a really solid well-being strategy is absolutely key. Having everybody on board on that strategy is absolutely key. But keeping agility at the top of your mind, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, or commercial, uh, agility is, is definitely what's going to get us through this. It's interesting you say that because we've been talking a lot about individuals, but how have you seen the retailers respond to some of these challenges and, and what work are you doing with them to try and help them navigate you know, uncharted waters for many? Mm. We've seen a, a large um, upsurge in requests for training. And this might be workshops, it could be webinars, or it could be sort of more formal training courses. And one of the things that we've really noticed is managers have kind of kept the home fires burning, they're leading from the front, they're exhausted. So employers who are investing in frontline manager training right now um, are seeing dividends, and that's in productivity is also in terms of well-being. And, and I think the philosophy from our side is very much that let's take care of your managers. You know, it's like that being on the airplane with the mask that comes down and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you got to take care of them first, not to the exclusion of anybody, but first. But also helping managers to set boundaries. And one of the things that we see a lot in retail is the accidental counselor role is taken on. So this means that the manager feels that they have to fix everybody's issues and become a counselor and a therapist and a GP and whatever. So I think a big part of this is about giving retailers the permission to say, you don't have to fix your people. You're not there to fix their people. What you are there to do is to signpost and signpost to services that have relevance and, and meaning to your workforce. And, and those services will differ depending on, you know, your sort of gender bias or you might have, you know, particular age group uh, represented, whatever the case might be. So it's different for everyone. But I think the best place that I would suggest you start with is just checking in on managers because they are the pilots and, uh, you know, pilots can get tired and lose their way. And they're piloting through a period of retail revolution. We're in what some people call the new normal, some people are calling the never normal. We're hopefully looking at a post-pandemic picture, but we are seeing retailers restructure. We have seen redundancies. We've also seen the great resignation coined as a phrase for a lot of people who perhaps haven't been able to move on for the last couple of years, are dissatisfied where they are and thinking about what they're going to do next. Again, where do you see the retail trust within all of that, coping with a huge amount of change all at one time? I, th I think that because we've been here for sort of 190 years, we, we haven't maybe necessarily figured out change in its entirety because no, nobody ever has. But we've always had to be a few steps ahead of, of the game and, and the trends in retail and be able to be very clear about what needs to be done now to avoid problems later. We've talked a lot about challenges, but obviously retail is a great opportunity for people as well. So. Where's the retail trust role in terms of being, seeing retail as a positive choice for the future generations? I think what I find personally very interesting is that it wasn't until the first lockdown when I think the British public really understood the impact, importance and the strength of retail. And I think that's, that can only be a good thing. I think it's much more respected and it has been sadly you know, treated shabbily by customers for years, as we know, we can't do without retail. And we're a nation of retailers. 
ultimately. And I think in, in a way, that message might take some time to get out. But for young people thinking about careers now, you're looking at an incredibly resilient sector who has managed to keep going through the storm, through the war, emerging the other side. Yes, there is still great change. Yes, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. However, I think it's shown that there's been a huge amount of resilience um, shown in the sector. It would be a sector that I think anybody should be proud to join. Absolutely. And I think that when we think about Gen Z, we tend to think of them as consumers and the influence they've had, especially through social media and retail. But of course, they're entering the workplace as well. So that's going to be your next cohort. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would go so far as to say, you know, the next co cohort are like sort of the 11-year-olds kind of thinking about, you know, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? And, and, and making retail accessible and making it for children to be seen as a part, an important part of life and, and how it serves, but it also benefits in, in so many different ways. So I think the earlier we can start that education, I, yeah, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Every generation can benefit um, from working in retail. And, and, you know, if we look at, you know, the amazing B&Q, um, wonderful B&Q, who has traditionally for, for many, many years, has hired people into their retirement, which is amazing. You know, you've got a wealth of experience, you've got a huge amount of knowledge, you've got people who still want to remain active in the workforce. So I think, you know, we should never say never. We should never say it's too late to, to join. Absolutely. Well, old or young, let's hope we see a lot more new talent in retail. Absolutely. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>